Hey, 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 we are back with Jerusalem in the Morning, and I'm your host, Rich Jehoshaphat. Now it's time for my favorite part of the program, Savior Sightings. And we have a gentleman with us on the line who had a close encounter of the messianic kind. Sir, welcome to the program. Yes, hello, my name is Joab, and I work on Peter's boat in the Sea of Galilee. Uh-huh. His real name is Simon. I'm not sure how many people know that. The name of the boat in the fishing company is Simon Says Fish. Yeah, I got it. Three years ago, Peter actually took a leave of absence. He had to follow this gentleman. I'm not sure who he was. When he left, I was put in command. I was put in charge. I was the commandant. Yeah, We've been doing yeah. very, very well. Uh, so one day we're scrubbing the poop deck and uh, Peter returns to the boat. He says, I'm back in charge. I'm taking over again. Yeah, I got it. And all of a sudden things went from good to bad. Peter is a wonderful gentleman. He's a very nice man, but he's not the best fisherman in the world. Really? So one day we're having a hard time catching fish. And I said, well, Peter, what we normally do is if we're having a hard time on one side of the boat, we throw on nets the other side. And he says... What good would that do, Joab? And I'm like, oh, sure. You haven't been here in three years. You must know better than me. Feel free. Do whatever you want. I'm not insulted. So then this gentleman shows up on the shore, and he says, Peter, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And again, Peter does. And I'm like, well, sure. I've only been saying that all day. You don't, don't listen to me. Who am I? I'm nobody. So he throws the nets on the other side of the boat. And guess what? That's right. He caught 153 fish. 153 fish. Wow. Well, isn't that surprising? I've been saying it all day, but don't give me any credit. Apparently, this was the gentleman that Peter had been following for three years. Wow. Now, I had heard he had passed away. May he rest. But somehow, he was back on the shore at this time. So they're talking and they're saying, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's saying, yes, I do. And I'm saying, Peter, do you love me? Because I got 153 fish jumping all over the boat. I need help over here. <laughs> We're crying out loud. Yeah, so then yeah. this Jesus, after they've had the conversation about, do you love me and do you love my sheep and could you feed them Peter tells him I'm a bit of a gourmand so he says oh I I have a recipe for cod and it's to die for but Jesus has this method where he slices the cod very thin and he cooks it to a golden brown and he uses clove oh and rosemary it was absolutely divine at the end of the day I'm I'm pretty sure it was uh, the Messiah himself well thanks a lot thank you very much you can read all about it in this month's Fisherman Monthly Magazine or Joab's new reality show The Real Fisherman of the Jerusalem Shore. We'll be back with more Jerusalem in the Morning in just a moment. That's just, uh, just, 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 don't, don't clap anymore because it's just, it's just ridiculous and you encourage the wrong people. They're here among you, the writers and so forth. Oh my gosh. Um, by, by the way, it's not cod that is caught in the Sea of Galilee. It's called St. Peter's Fish. Now, and actually, I'm not a big fish guy, but it's really pretty darn good. So uh, just a little, little FYI there. Um, yes, we are here. He- third installment, Heaven Can't Wait. Um, Heaven Can't Wait, Living Fully Now. Third installment of that series this morning as we talk. And, into, and if you missed some of those, you can always go back on the podcast on our website. By the way, one of the other things you can do on our website right now if you want to um, is uh, we have a little, you go to renaissancechurch.org and we have a, and you, on, your, on your smartphone or your uh, tablet and just, just click on notes and you can kind of follow along with some of my notes, not all of my notes, but some of my notes that are on there. So always kind of an engaging way to do things. But as I was saying, we're looking at these different people and their encounters with Jesus. And, and what happened? And today we're looking at Peter, obviously, and uh, this, this walk that they had on the beach. Jesus, and, and, and it's a very personal passage to me. It's John 21. We'll go there in a minute. 
but um, I'll tell you why it's very personal to me when we get there. But, but just, just want to kind of bring you up. You may not realize this, or maybe you've forgotten it if you did know it. Um, the last time we read about Peter in the Bible, until this passage today, the last time we read about him is when he denied Christ. I mean, we, we hear about him a little bit in the resurrection morning. He ran into the t- empty tomb, but there's no, there's no, he doesn't talk or anything. The last time we hear him talking or read about him talking is on that, is that, that fateful night of the Lord's uh, uh, arrest and, and torture and so forth. Because a couple of things you need to know about that. Peter's, Peter's denial was probably concomitant with Jesus' trial before the high priest, happening at the same time. Um, and in spite of Jesus' precognition and warning, Peter still denied Jesus. And I want to kind of take you back to that because I fear that many times we don't, we don't grasp the full effect of, of, of what really happened and what really happened inside of Peter uh, when he denied his Lord. Um, so I'm going to take you back to that and do a little, some of the different gospel accounts from Mark chapter 14, for instance, here's Jesus talking. He says, you will fall away, Jesus told them. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I'm not. I said it something like that. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered today, yes, tonight. This is like two or three hours before he's arrested and before he's, he's, he's taken by the high priest and, the, and Roman soldiers. And, and it's just two or three hours before that. I tell you, Jesus answered today, yes, tonight. Before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Pretty adamant. Pretty vocal. Pretty strong, right? Well, two hours later, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. Probably this is John. He's speaking of himself here. <clears throat> but Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, John, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and, and brought Peter in. Watch this. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. You'd think that's once now. Keep that in mind, it's once. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Verse 25. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? Second time this happens. He denied it saying, I am not. You counting? That's twice, right? Verse 26, one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. At that moment, a rooster began to crow. Three times. I, there, there was a, uh, this is just devastating. We're going to see that in just a moment. But there's a picture, or excuse me, a sculpture. I took a picture of a sculpture a year and a half ago when we were in Israel. I'm not a big sculpture guy, but this one grabbed me. First time I saw it, I took a picture of it. It just really grabbed me. And you can just see, <clears throat> excuse me, how Peter is here. And he's just like, hey, I don't, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. And they get the three different people who he denied Jesus to. And, and this is uh, 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 apparently it's supposed to be close to the spot where Jesus, um, um, where, where Jesus was arrested. And thank you. And um, 
Peter denied him three times. So it's pretty interesting stuff. That's good. Thanks. Anyway, I just love that. I just love that sculpture. Peter's hands, you know. Anyway, I wanted to show you that. Show and tell with Rich here. Um, <clears throat> he's denied him three times. The, the, the rooster crows, it, this, by the way, is probably very early in the morning. Jesus was arrested at nighttime. But now watch this. Watch what happens from Luke's account. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. And you, uh, 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 that, that, that verse 61, go back to that. That's what I'm most interested in. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. He just denied him three times. Somehow, Jesus is arrested. He's probably chained. He's under guard. Somehow, the way things are set there, Jesus just looks over and just for a moment catches the eye of Peter. I mean, how do you think that felt? This is your Lord. This is the person you've been following for over almost three years. This is, this, is, you, you, this is the same guy of whom you said when Jesus said one time, who do people say that I am? Peter said, you're the Lord God Almighty. And Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. And here he is denying him three times. Total despair. Think of, I don't know, what, <clears throat> everybody has... Some sins they think are worse than others. They're not, but, but that's okay. All sin is sin. But think of the worst sin you can possibly, top three worst sins you, you could think of, whatever they are. Multiply that by about four, and that's, that's where Peter is right now. He, he could not have done anything worse on the face of the earth. Totally devastated. But then here's the Lord who has said, and this is always confounding to me, Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, this confession that Jesus, this is the same guy, and, and this is the issue that I want you to see here. The Lord Jesus Christ has built his church on people like Peter and me and you, all of whom have in one way or another denied our Lord, if not in words, in our actions, in our attitudes at some time. And probably that happens most every day, doesn't it? Anytime you're acting in a way that is not worthy of who, who, who Jesus is and what he's done for you, you're denying his, 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 who he is. I love this quote from Eugene Peterson from a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I have used it before, and I, I just love this quote. One of my favorite writers, too. All the persons of faith I know are sinners, doubters, uneven performers. We are secure not because we are sure of ourselves, but because we trust that God is sure of us. I love that. All the persons of faith I know are sinners, doubters, and uneven performers. Wow. That's Peter. That's me. That's you. And that's why Jesus came. Now, that brings us to John 21. Let me give you a little background on John 21. Uh, you already heard it from Joab there, but I'll just kind of update you a little, a little more, a little more factually accurate. Um, the disciples, Jesus is, this is about 40 days since the, since the uh, resurrection and all, the, all that, the whole Passion Week, which we call it now. They've gone back to fishing. They don't know what else to do. 
they do believe Jesus has risen from the dead because they saw him a couple of times. But they're back in the Sea of Galilee. That's what they do. That's what they're doing to feed their families. Peter's got a family, married with kids. He's got a mother-in-law. Um, and uh, so they, they're, just, they're just going back to what they do. They're, they're, they're fishermen. And that's their industry. They're not, people always get the idea they're fishermen. They're out there with their poles, you know. Eh, eh, that's not the kind of fishing we're talking about. This is what they did for a living. So, so they see, uh, uh, they, they're not catching any fish, which is, means they're going to be hungry, not because they can't sell the fish. Um, and then they see a, a sort of a hazy figure of a person on the shore. And then they begin, is that Jesus? And then Jesus calls out to them. And he says, take your nets and cast them on the other side. They do that. And yep, all that hundred and however many it was fish, they, they, that's how many fish they caught. Peter immediately in the boat recognizes that's the Lord. That's our Lord. He jumps out of the boat, swims and walks as fast as he can because he wants to go see Jesus. And he gets up there, and, and, then, and, and then the rest of the guys follow in the boat with some fish. They have a little fish fry there on the beach, and, um, and they're just, you know, talking. And then, and then Jesus says, you know, something along the lines of, Peter, we need to talk. Keep in mind, I'm sure Peter's still got a, for lack of a better term, a, a pretty heavy-duty hangover from his sin of 40 days earlier of denying the Lord. It's the only way I can describe it. I mean, he had to be hurting. Um, so, and Jesus knew that. Now, watch what happens in John 21. Very, very personal passage to me. John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Let's keep track. That's one. Verse 16. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you, Jesus said, take care of my sheep. That's twice. Some people, uh, some scholars look at this and they say Jesus used a different word for love each time. He didn't. He did he used two different words, but it was just a stylistic thing. It had, there was no, no read into that. So that's two times. A third time he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Three times. Did you count that? How many times did, did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Was Jesus trying to make a point? You bet he was. He said, Peter, this is as much for you as anything. Do you love me? You sure you love me? Of course, Lord, I do. I mean, there's so much here that we can talk about. I'll tell you, one of the things, though, that, that just screams at me is just, it's just Forgiveness the forgiveness of our Lord. That's something that I never get tired of talking about or experiencing. Because what happened here, Jesus took someone not only unqualified, but he took somebody who had been disqualified, forgives them, and says, go and take care of my people. Just think about that. He denied him. It's amazing stuff. I mean, it's just, there are some people who think that's the unpardonable sin, you know. You know the unpardonable, every so often somebody says, what's the unpardonable sin? I'll say, excuse me? Oh, there's an unpardonable sin. No, there's not. All sin can be, any sin can be forgiven by, by Christ when you go to him. The only unpardonable sin is denying who Jesus is and going to your grave doing that. And that's going to be a problem because there is a real place called hell and it's not any fun and you'll find out about that. that that's the only unpardonable sin is, is not is not not coming to faith in Christ until you die. Well, you know, 
Charles Spurgeon put it this way about the Lord's forgiveness. I believe that as often as I transgress, God is more ready to forgive me than I am ready to offend. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher from the 19th century. Things would change for Peter. His life would change dramatically. In just, in just a few short days, he's going, to be, it's, he's going to be preaching a sermon that we call it the Day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So his life just changes dramatically here. But the first thing, he has to come to grips and understand the scope of the forgiveness that Christ has given and offered to him. And by the way, yes, it's the same forgiveness that Christ offers to you and me. Thank God, on a daily basis, because I know I need it. So when we understand his forgiveness, it only produces a greater love for Jesus. I want to talk about love for a minute, because that's that part of it. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, I, yes, I feed my sheep, feed my sheep. <clears throat> and really, when we talk about loving Christ like we should, I think that one of the questions we usually, we usually would ask is, how do I develop that? How, how do I develop a greater love for Christ? And, and I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's really twofold. One is just understanding the scope of the forgiveness that you have. Another way that I would say that, that we develop our love for, for, for Jesus, and this is true in any area of life, would be um, being a student of that person. That's why, we're, that's why we here call ourselves followers of Christ. We seek to learn more about Jesus and, 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 and be reminded of some of the truths about Jesus and how he would handle different situations. Um, it's, not, it's not a lot different than, than maybe figuring out, your, you know, how do, I, how do I develop my love for my husband or my wife? Just a husband-wife relationship, if you have one of those here. You know, you, you, you become a student of that person, maybe a close friend. You know, and, and here's one of the things that I've learned. It's taken me a while. I've, I've only been married a little over 40 years, and, and I'm still learning a lot. And, and I learned, you know, it's, it, it gets difficult sometimes. To, it, yeah, after a while, you know, what can you get your mate for Christmas? We always have that. Charlie and I always have that little friction about, you know, what do you, oh, I'll get you something, but you, are, you get whatever you want, you know. And uh, you get to a, I'm not by any means wealthy, but I mean, God's blessed enough where if I want a new sweater, I'll go buy a new sweater, which I'm told happens a little more too often than it should, but that, that's okay. Um, I'm, a, I'm a clothes guy. One guy told me one time, he said, if you had any money at all, you'd be a clothes horse. And I'm like, yeah, probably right. So we're having this discussion two, 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 two Christmases ago. Honey, I don't know what to get you for Christmas. Well, I don't know what to get you for Christmas. Well, you're hard to buy for. Well, you're hard to buy for. You know, back and forth. She says, okay, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what not to get me. And I said, okay. She says, I, please don't get me anything else from your golf club. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Why wouldn't anybody want any? I mean, that's my favorite place to shop. I mean, it's a, it's a pro shop. It's got the best clothes, Peter Millar, you know, all the good stuff. This is just all kinds of great stuff. Um, I, don't want any more, I don't want any more with that emblem on it. I don't want any more clothes with that emblem on them. I said, okay. Well, see, here, here's, here's the twist of the whole thing. I think about it this way. What would I want for Christmas? Oh, I would love to have something else for my golf club. Okay. They got lots of stuff, and they're always refilling it, you know. And whenever they see me coming, they say, hey, Richard, we got some more stuff. Come on down. Anyway, <laughs> that's what I would want. But here's, you see, we can be so selfish, and that's me, that I think what she's going to want what I want. That's not the case, is it? That's why we become a student of that person whom we love. Same way with our kids, right? I never saw a girls' volleyball game until my daughter got into seventh grade. 
And I got to tell you, those, those, those junior high girls playing volleyball, I mean, you're sitting here like this. Stab me, please. Wake me up. Do anything, you know. Uh, it's just brutal. Now, I got better at high school, and then she played in college, and, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, but, uh, I mean, why do you do that? And where we live, we lived in, we raised both of our kids in Vail, Colorado, and, and it, for you to play a, an away game, the least drive you had was 30 minutes. Sometimes you drive four hours. Sometimes you drive five hours to Gunnison. Um, had to go drive to Aspen. That was about, we hated Aspen. That was our big rival. Some of you come tell me you're going to go to Aspen. I say, don't go to Aspen. I hate Aspen. they got the worst fans in the world there. And, uh, and you know, Aspen and Vail, whenever you play basketball or football or girls volleyball, it was just always just a, a lot of fun. It was a big rivalry. My point is, they're your kids. That's what you do. It's part of the deal. You love them. You find out what they, what, whatever they like, you, you figure out how to do that with them. Enjoy that time. Now, just twist that just a little, excuse me, twist that just a little bit. And let's make that toward, toward Jesus. Learn to, what, what's important to him? What's important to God? Well, I know one thing. 1 John chapter 4 says, tells us. Verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. God's most precious creation is people. And I know, I mean, the words of the country song, you know, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. Uh, I, I know sometimes people can be crazy. I know people can drive, I mean, tr- people can drive a wooden man crazy. I understand that. But, but the point is they're still God's creation. And, and, and we're, all, we're all there. And we've all driven other people crazy at times as well. So the more we understand the scope of our Lord's forgiveness, it stimulates us to have a deeper love for him. The more we understand the scope of his forgiveness, it just stimulates us to have a deeper love for him. And that leads to something else, a third thing. We got forgiveness. We got this love. That leads to this third thing. It's called transformation. Transformation. Because here's the thing. Your love for Christ Will, will, will cause transformational change in your life when you have that encounter with Jesus. Now, this is where it gets a little personal for me, all right? I promise I'm not going to cry. Well, I, maybe I will. I hope not. Um, this passage to me, just to give you a little quick little two cents on who I am and so forth, this passage to me became very real in 1973 before most of you were born. And I was a rock and roll disc jockey. We're living in Huntsville, Alabama. I'm married to Charlene. We have one kid, little, little snot-nosed little brat kid. And um, now he's a snot-nosed little brat 40-year-old. But, uh, and I love him dearly. And I, I can only talk about that like it, but it's not real. We, we, we love each other, have a great relationship. And I'm a rock and roll disc jockey, and I've been, I've been, I'm a follower of Christ. At that time, I had come to, to, to faith in Christ at a younger age. And I'm still trying to figure out my life in my tw- early 20s, trying to figure out life, but I'm still... Still wanting to be, you know, hot, hot dog, rock and roll disc jockey. And, you know, the only way you can move up in that, at that time in that business was to take another job in a little bigger market, another job in a little bigger market. We moved six times in six years. So, and she stayed with me. Amazing, isn't it? Um, but I'm, I'm going through some angst. Because I'm just thinking, what does God want me to do with my life? Be a rock and roll disc jockey? I mean, it's fun. And uh, I got home one night late. We had a, 
we had had a big promotion at the radio station, a, a Guess Who concert. And most of you don't, can't even guess who that is. But, but, and I'd gotten home late from, we had, I was one of the, one of the MCs for that thing. But I was just praying, just saying, Lord, I don't know, I'm just having this angst that's going on, just this, this, this discomfort. What am I going to do with my life? So I started reading the Bible. It's the middle of the night almost. And I started reading. I always related, just, I always related to Peter because Peter and I have a lot in common. He's very impetuous. He's very headstrong. He had the habit of, of opening his mouth and engaging his brain three, three or four minutes later. And, and so I, I really could relate to Peter. Um, and I got to this passage, feed my sheep, do you love me? Feed my sheep, do you love me? Feed my sheep. God used these words to call me to be a, become a pastor 30 some, 35 plus years ago. And, uh, I, and the next, I mean, the next day, it was such a transformation for me. The next day, I'm, I'm, I started to say I was online. I wasn't online back then. I may, I'm starting to look through uh, different directories and so forth to find out what, what seminary or Bible college I needed to go to and so forth. And it, a few months later, it changed our lives, and I ended up going back to school and college and, and uh, getting a degree in theology and Bible. So, so when, I, when I came to this place a year and a half ago, let me show it to you real quick. Just one or two more pictures, okay? Um, this is the beach right here where... where um, Somewhere in this area where Jesus and Peter were taken. And you can see how rocky it is. So it's not like a beach you normally think of. This is the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. If you can see those mountains in the background, just for historical perspective, that's the Golden Heights. That's where the fighting, in fact, when we were there, there's fighting going up, on up there. That's a, it's, a, it's in uh, Syria. And that's where the Muslims are just torturing, the, trying, to, trying to beat up the Israelites and so forth. Still going on. But anyway, that's what this is right here. And then there was another, they think, let me show you this next picture, because they think... This is the very rock where Peter and Jesus, but church tradition says that where Peter and Jesus were, were standing and walking. And of course, like they do everywhere in Israel, whenever they have a sacred site, they put a church over it. Kind of annoying, actually. It's, but it's either Catholics or the Greek Orthodox, and they have a sort of an arms race. They, they like to see who, who's winning. The Greek Orthodox priest told me about this. He says, it's between us and the Catholics. I said, who's winning? He said, we are right now. I was like, well, why right now? There aren't going to be more sites discovered, are there? But anyway, he didn't have an answer for that. Anyway, that was, that was, that was something that was very huge to me. It was very, very personal. And uh, when I was there that day, it was, very, uh, it was just a real, the real deal thing for me. Now, that was me, okay? I'm not saying that this transformational change means that you're going to have to go out here and, and, and go back to school and become a pastor or, or something else. Um, it may be, and, and that would be great, but it might be something much different. And it is for all of us, whether, whether that changes for you like that or, or not, because for us, it's, it's, about, it's about perspective that changes. It's about values that change. It's about attitudes. It's about giving. It's about behavior. I mean, you just have to stop and remember how much you've been forgiven. One of the, one of the things, I th this hit me the other day. Maybe you struggle with this. I'm going to tell you something about myself right now that you're not going to think I'm so great, Okay because I'm not. I was looking at uh, what I gave, you know, income tax. I was looking at what we had given to the church, Renaissance Church. This is terrible. The thought came to me, what else could I have done with that money? I mean, you know, we, we, for those of you who don't know, we, we believe in giving. We talk about it from time to time, and, and we have an offering box in the back. A lot of people give online, and, and, and we don't take an offering. But I, I just looked at the number, and I was like, what else could I have bought? And the first thing that came into my mind, which is just terrible, I could have bought a new car. I mean, not, not a Mercedes. 
I don't give that much, you know. Uh, I'm not a Corvette. I could have, I you know, and I thought, Rich, that's terrible. I don't even think about that. Now, there are some of you here who are probably thinking, yeah, I could have I put a sizable down payment down on a, on, a, on a vacation home. And some of you might say, well, I, I'm, maybe I'm not giving that much. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm only giving uh, enough that, that I could have bought a new computer with that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. The, the point is the Bible teaches us to give and to give with a cheerful heart. And then when we start seeing this transformation take place, and then we still have those glimpses, we go back. We, oh, well, my point is this. When we fail to remember, and this is what I did that day when I, I just said, what are you saying? Stop and think about how much God continues to forgive you, how much he loves you, and, 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 and what Renaissance is doing, the things that we're doing, lives that are changing, so many different things that we're, we're, we're all about here. My point to that is when transformational change happens, it's a consistent thing. It's an everyday type of thing. Every day, stopping and thinking and realizing God has forgiven me for so much. And my love for him is just growing deeper and deeper. And that brings about incredible transformation. So where are you on that spectrum? Has there been change in your life? Change in attitude? Change in values? Change in perspective? Change in, in behavior? Because if you haven't, maybe you need to revisit that. And say, Lord, I want to I make sure. I want to I trust you. I want to say right now. I just want to pray. You don't have to say it out loud. I want to put my trust in who you are and what you've done for me, and I want to accept that. I want to grow in my love for you, and I want to see transformation in my life. Starts with the attitudes. Goes to our behavior. Sometimes our feelings grow cold. That's because we haven't spent enough time thinking and reflecting. I have to continue to appreciate my need for his forgiveness. And he forgives, and the forgiveness that he offers me. When I do that, my love for him continues to grow. And when that love grows, Christ brings transformation in my life. And that, that's a daily thing, people. It's a daily thing for all of us. May we always stay at the foot of the cross, reflecting upon God's great forgiveness and how how our love for him grows deeper and deeper till it takes root and how transformation takes place in our lives as a result. May God continue to work in our lives through all of that. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for the opportunity to sit here and, and, and just think about some of these very important things. God, I pray the Spirit of God would work in each one of our hearts right now whether that be a first-time thing for some or whether that be a, just another day where we say, Lord, I need that, that God-powered transforming change in my life and my attitudes and my, my, my behavior, my perspective. Help us to do that on a daily basis, Lord. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming today. And on your way out, I've been having so much fun. I know I, I have the personality that can do this. You may only do this with people you know really well. I've been having so much fun taking these. When I see people anywhere, I say, hey, you need to come to church on Sunday, on Easter Sunday. And they look at me like, and they don't, even know, they don't know who I am. You know, they don't know I'm a pastor and an idiot and all that. But, but, um, but take some of these, and if you're not comfortable doing that, just maybe some of your neighbors. And listen, here's the deal, folks. I don't care. I, we're, we don't, none of us care here about big numbers. We don't give a rip about that. I just don't care. We care about people. We love people. I love giving people to have the opportunity to hear the message. This Easter service is going to be 
amazing. It's already being pl already planned. I just hear. I just love to have the opportunity for people to hear the life changing message of the resurrected Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. So grab some, take them to your friends and neighbors. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Have a great weekend.